the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Howdy. Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome to Donnie and Heather. We're your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier, and we're glad you're with us. Are you glad I'm back? Because I was listening to Christina's last episode, and you sounded pleased that I wasn't here. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, well, you do your thing, and we're going to discuss this later. I'm, I'm very happy you're here. <laughs> uh, this show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. Uh, we have a detox and recovery program. The detox is located inside St. Joseph's Hospital in downtown beautiful Houston. It's uh, a two-week, 10- to 14-day detox, followed with two, up to 24 months of free recovery coaching and aftercare after you successfully complete our program. And we also include microcurrent neurofeedback in detox and in the two years of aftercare. So if you or a loved one would like any information about our treatment center, please give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-4673. Or visit our website at mhdrp.org, mherberderp.org. We can answer any questions that. you have. What? I just hate it. Mherberderp. I love I don't it. Like People it. will remember it. You're probably correct. Um, <laughs> yeah. So as usual, you're listening to us on a Sunday afternoon in the H on KPRC 950, 1 p.m. Central. You can also listen to us if you're not in Houston on the iHeartRadio app. KPRC has their own uh, channel. channel on there. That's correct. So you can listen to us at 1 p.m. Central. And One at the Sunday. end of the day... 1 p.m. Sunday on KPRC. She's on point, folks. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the day, they up they upload our show to podcasts. And you can go back through all of them and check them out. We've got some really good ones. We've got some mediocre ones as these two mediocre folks, Heather and Donnie, figure this thing out. The ones that are just me aren't mediocre. Hey, what's the name of our channel? You didn't mention that. Oh, the Relevant Recovery Radio channel. And you can... R3, R to R the third. R to the third power. And you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Just search at Relevant Recovery Radio. So. Yeah, and, and for any new listeners that we have, what we talk about on this show is recovery. Recovery from a multitude of addictions, food, drugs, alcohol, shopping, you name it. Yeah. We're going to show you how God can fix it. Yeah, that's true. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. So segue into my guest. Yeah. I want to welcome Christina Stafford back for our second time, part two. Hi. Hi. I'm so glad she's back. So let me give you, our listeners, a recap um, real quickly. She ha- was on a few weeks ago, maybe like three or four weeks. I and, forget. And not a lot of people may have listened because I wasn't on the show. I doubt so. that's the case. <laughs> oh, okay. That's All right. a very popular right. episode. Um, but if you're <laughs> on our channel or Facebook, just search for the one called Christina's Story, Adoption and Redemption. It's part one. And so we kind of talked last time uh, about everything in your life leading up to getting sober. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but basically, you were born in Russia. You lived in an orphanage in Russia till you were about two, and some wonderful parents adopted you at two from that orphanage in Russia. And you were raised here in Houston, um, and you fell into some addiction. Late, I, I say later in life because it was like 18, 19, mm-hmm. 20, like high school, college age. Right. You know, mine was like younger, but maybe, you know, everybody's different. But um, and it got bad and you went to like a long program, a wilderness program. Somewhat. That was kind of behavioral modification. Where was that? 
It was out in the country. <laughs> ah, I love it. Yeah. So I've heard of that before. People talk about the wilderness program, and it's like literally mm-hmm. it puts you out in the middle of nowhere. And once you you got sober for a while there, um, but you phased into uh, a, like a higher level of living, like independence. Mm-hmm. Got a mm-hmm. job, met a guy. Yes, I did. And he loved bombed you. Oh, absolutely. And he ended up, and so you thought you were in a relationship with this person, but it was really uh, manipulative, abusive, and exploitive. Absolutely. And an organization rescued you. Yes, yes. (laughs) Which is so awesome that you had the guts to really leave and do that. Um, And then you kind of fell into another abusive situation and then another relationship. Um, And you got pregnant in that relationship. Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) And so you really wanted to get sober your baby I did and I did. Uh, and so you went to treatment again yes and what date was that my sobriety date is March 14th 2019 very Ooh, cool we coming tried, up on a date I am <laughs> a little birthday we uh, I tried to check in on the 13th and it you know insurance processing isn't that so weird so I had to wake up the next day <laughs> and of course use a little and then be bold and go in there and say this is really still what I want yeah 24 hours can make or break why do you think the insurance company made you wait a day? I, honestly, I don't know. Did they give a reason? No, but I do think that, in a way, it, it just tested my willingness. Yeah, you were serious. That's what I was thinking, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, You were serious, and so you go to this treatment center, and this treatment center was very 12-step based. And yes, so that's where I want to pick up the story, because you were how many weeks pregnant when you went to treatment? I was 10 weeks. 10 weeks. When I went in. So tell me what your experience was like going to your first 30-day, 12-step rehab. And, and at 10 weeks, we have a fully formed baby there. Absolutely. So. Yes. Yes, I knew it, and I was like, this is my child. There, There is another life in, in my body, and yeah. I'm here, yeah. too. And I ran for my life for him, ultimately. Right. Um, and I just remember being there and wanting nothing more than um, a bed to sleep and food to eat. And then I did see the 12 steps on the wall. And, and you're like, I was, I turned my head, I'm like, oh, gosh, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> did, did you have a reaction based on your past, the way you were raised? Did you have a reaction when you saw, like— you know, willing to believe in a power greater or God in the third step? Did you have any sort of a reaction? I had a very unconventional reaction where I was like, oh, I know God. Uh, So so that was mine. Yeah. And so so I think, because you were raised Christian like I was, Mm -hmm. and I think that this is actually, it's split 50-50. Some people coming into the 12 steps are uh, thrown off and against that it has anything to do with God. That was me. That was Donnie. Aww. And, yeah. But Christians, believers that come in and see that, you think, what can you people teach me about God? I already know the Bible. That was something I struggled with was pride. Yeah. And of course, my like, you know, unrecovered thinking was, okay, well, I got this. And it was a very easy segue into that foothold, but I had so much to learn, so much to grow right. from. And even within recovery, I still fell into some things that t- tried to take me away from him because it's all uh a spiritual malady spiritual warfare and so we're still fallible we're still not perfect people even right. if we believe in god oh, yeah, i know? fall so short <laughs> and uh so i think that that's an interesting point for anyone out there that goes to church or teaches sunday school or leads a congregation that struggles with addiction mm-hmm. they're wondering well why isn't my faith enough oh yeah right and mm-hmm. so we're going we're gonna to take a break here in a second, but I want to mention something maybe coming back in is that the difference in recovery and religion is that we're beginning a spiritual walk. It doesn't matter what our religion is. So right. don't go anywhere. We are going to be right back here with Relevant Recovery Radio.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. Hey, that was pretty good, Heather. That was so good. I approve. All right, good. (laughs) First time in a year and something. Uh, So we're sitting here in studio with Christina, Mm -hmm. who has a really, really powerful story of really miracle after miracle after miracle. And this is part two. Right. If you missed part one, scroll back, find part one. Yeah, I mean, but listen, listen to us now, but maybe later, yeah, in your own time. This is our Whatever. time. Okay? I, was, I was thinking of podcasts. They could scroll back. But here's here's what I love, is listening to you talk about, both of you, talk about the fact that you knew God in your mind. I know God. I have a, f- a, a foundational faith, a belief, belief behind mm-hmm. it. But when you enter the recovery world, when you enter the 12-step world, what we're really talking is a spiritual walk. It's almost a little separate from whatever religion you believe in. Yeah. It's a little separate. And I, let's talk about that a little bit. Because I love the line in our literature that says, uh, faith alone is insufficient. Mm-hmm. And when I would read that, at first I was like, nah, faith is sufficient. Right. <laughs> this ain't deed-based. Yeah. From a believer's perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it was so hard trying to wrap my brain around the difference between my belief system, I had faith, mm-hmm. versus a real relationship with God day to day. Right. Yeah. A real reliance, a real connection a real yeah. conversation in my, in my walk daily. And so how did that begin for you? Were you like, because I was offended when people told me I wasn't connected to God. I'm like, she's still offended. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew that that connection was always there. Um, the enemy had tried to sever it. Yeah. But when I, what I was lacking was a structure of, of steps that would help me um, write down um, and share with, you know, of close, mm-hmm. uh, my sponsor, um, and and kind of go into that structured part of recovery right. where I could faith it till I made it, but I wasn't making it. Right. You know, mm. I th- there was so many. You know, I would go to church, I would do all the check all the boxes, but those were just religious actions at the end of the day. I yeah. I was lacking that active relationship, okay. and that's okay. what I think is so beautiful about the twelve steps. Yes, it's like a blueprint to living a it spiritual is. life. It is. But that is actually you just made the perfect analogy is that I can have all the faith and belief that I want, but what I don't know how to do is make a spiritual walk. Live it. Mm -hmm. And that's really what the 12 steps in in that program teaches us is, you know, when I got sober, I was atheist for many, 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 many years. I didn't have a religious upbringing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I didn't have that prejudice sort of coming in. It's like, well, this, wait a minute, God of our understanding, are you kidding me? There's one, <laughs> blah, blah. I didn't have any of I that, did. right? I did. I didn't even yeah. believe in God at all. But then what what the program taught me is a spiritual walk, a spiritual practice. The, the practice, yes. The practice of being self-sacrificing for others. But So then when it came to a place where I needed and wanted God, mm-hmm. um, like I already had the spiritual walk. And so then it really made that step much easier for me. They they really do intertwine beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one thing I like to, to relate it to, which I mean, not everybody will, but as a believer, uh, you know, deliverance. Um, mm-hmm. If yeah. I can get delivered from a certain thing or a mm-hmm. certain spirit, and, and I, if I don't actually keep that door closed, it'll come back. Yeah, mm-hmm. it will. Yeah. So if I if I am struggling with you know I can relate it to my selfishness you know mm-hmm. there's a step for that you know <laughs> yeah you know yeah. there's a way to be of service you know as a Christian I'm told you know serve others love others and stuff like that yeah. I didn't have that capacity when I was under the influence because you're so selfish no I was self centered self driven all these things yeah. fear based living and I think that as I've learned more about 
chronic addiction or chronic alcoholism, as our 12-step world teaches us, I really think that it's, at the core, a sickness with self-obsession. Yeah. And, and not always like arrogant self-obsession, sometimes prideful self-obsession, self-pity self-obsession, mm-hmm. poor me self-obsession, oh, yeah. blaming yeah. others self-obsession. Like like you're just really obsessed with you, your yeah. wants, mm-hmm. your thoughts, your feelings, your desires. And I wasn't aware of it. I wasn't aware that that's how I was going through life. And when I, when, when I would uh, um, approach that thought, you know, as a self-based, you know, I would recoil from that because it would hurt my pride. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. It would go straight to my pride. And, you know, I was just dumpster fire of, of <laughs> selfish <self>. yeah <laughs> I, I want, actually want to get a tattoo of a dumpster on fire oh my gosh <laughs> so we should do that yeah. um so during treatment going through that process walk me through did you get a sponsor right away how did you pick a sponsor was one given to you like yeah so i actually you know my i think third time's a charm yeah um you know i was willing from the get-go to ask someone, especially another woman, with something that uh, she had what I wanted, peace, serenity, somewhat of a stable aspect. So you knew that I'm looking for a sponsor who has what I want, but you meant internally. Uh, Yes. You knew it wasn't the fancy car or the giant. Some people get that confused. If I was looking for that stuff, I wouldn't even be in recovery. Some people get that confused and they think, i got to pick a sponsor who has the life I want, and we're actually talking about internal. I wanted the qualities. Yeah. I wanted that. Um, like that soul-based, mm-hmm. you know, what what is being projected, you know, a woman, kindness. What was so attractive to me was a woman with like grace and dignity yes. that respected herself. <laughs> I was like, I want those I qualities. wanted that so badly because <laughs> yeah. I had been so diminished and so used to this yeah. like rough way of, of living and yeah. acting and breathing and all this stuff. And I, you know, I I met my, um, my sponsor who's still my sponsor about four months into the program. Okay. And I, by that time I had actually tried to start sponsoring myself I had just entered <laughs> oh. sober living and they were always get like always like get a sponsor and I was like you're like you're on house arrest if you don't have a sponsor and I was like well <laughs> screw you you know I was and I got it almost out of obligation yeah I of course my manipulative mindset was like okay I gotta check this box but little right. did I know that by actually doing that you know and and I I did find surrender yeah and I did find somebody who I could be completely open honest and unashamed with okay um and that, that led to the rest. And, and isn't it great, too? Like, now you are where you are. And when that person comes up to us, they're like, yeah, 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 no, totally. I'm I'm trying to figure this step four thing out. And you're like, well, do you have a sponsor? They're like, no, no, I'm just... And you're just like, that's cute. That's cute. Yeah. They that's think they're cute. on step four and they don't have a sponsor. I, that, that was me. I was like, well, I really do want the results of step four, yeah. but do I have to? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. But I, it wasn't that it even come down to a have to. It was like... I realized I wanted it, and I realized that the best way to attain that was with a sponsor, a, a woman with what I had. Walk me through that decision because you completed treatment, but you said you went to sober living, and I know, and but you had stable parents that you could have went and lived with. So there were boundaries. There were a lot of boundaries. Ooh, that's what I wanted to talk you about. You have good parents. I know I do. she does. I really do. <laughs> you have and good parents. They were. They have. You know, where they say the the family members have their own recovery yeah. to, to be doing, and a lot of that is you know just like the push pull and. Man, they were like, no, you can't come live with us. I mean, it was the results of my actions, you know, yeah. my fruits, et cetera. And I, that actually drove me to be more brave yeah. in the long run. Well, and they say that addiction is a family disease. Mm-hmm. And that's literally, I think, what we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Because it, usually parents are stuck in that cycle of enabling. They are stuck in it. And so they, 
and it's out of out of the goodness of the heart. They yeah. don't want you to die. Yeah. They want you to live, oh, yeah. but at some point their reliance on God came through with your parents. And what happens with a lot of parents is like, I want them to be safe. I want them. And so they're just as sick in the illness as you are, just mm-hmm. from a different angle. We are sick with the, the drugs and the alcohol. They're sick with the trying to save but us. But your parents were, had already turned you over to God. And yes. they said, here's the boundary. They had turned me over to God. And one thing as a believer, you know, if there's a certain point where we're, when I'm choosing a certain sin or I'm falling into a certain cycle, I'm given over to myself. Yep. Yes, you know, I'm you given are. over to my humanity. And, yeah. and it's just like, okay, um, here you are. And I find myself, there was a similar parallel, you know, with yeah. my family, you know, as much love as they could give me, as much anything that they could give me, I was turned over to myself. Yeah. And I had chosen that. But also it was just the result of, you know, I found that it was up to me in the long run yeah. to make those choices. And I was not forced to go to sober living. I wasn't forced to go to recovery, you know, anything like that. Right. But I found obli- I found the obligation to, you know, find the path to healing through that. Right. So in the end, <laughs> do you believe that because I I think this really will touch a lot of people listening to this, they're struggling with family members. In the end, your parents setting that boundary and saying, That's it, get sober, do your thing, we're out of the picture saved you. Oh yeah. yeah. That's exactly what saved me. It was those moments where I had to choose for myself that helped me not be so reliant on one what other people thought of me. The, uh, took fear out of the equation. I had to do it for myself. And do you think if your family or loved ones had band-aided your life uh, and gave you a place to sleep? I would have rebelled. Yep, exactly. <laughs> well, it, because you have that soft cushion of family to fall yeah, on. Exactly. All right, so don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to hey, Relevant Recovery I hate you. Radio. Hate you so much. <laughs> Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with Heather and Donnie Mosier. <laughs> and our special studio guest today is Christina Part with an two. Am- amazing story uh, of miracles. And at this point, Christina, you are through treatment. You are in a sober house. You've finally surrendered. Thankfully, your parents have said, here's a boundary. You take care of you, and when you're ready and we know you're ready, we're back in your life. We're not going to help you anymore until yep. you help yourself. And so now you have a sponsor. You're working the steps. Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so this has a lot to do with the whole pregnancy situation. Mm-hmm. Um, um, as you all know, I, I chose adoption for my son. Yeah. And I, I did that sober-mindedly yeah. and at a point where I had um, full autonomy with that, with that decision. Right. And I... Um, I was about four or five months sober. I started working my steps and I started sharing with my sponsor that I was being led to choose open adoption. Mm-hmm. And um, there's nothing better than having that structure and actually going um, full force into those steps, mm-hmm. um, like really like everything, living and breathing it so that I could be spiritually prepared in order that. to make that choice go through with that choice yeah. and to come out of making that choice with a structure to handle grief right mm. yeah i can't imagine a more profound experience than going newly sober yet going through the 12 steps <laughs> and being pregnant and choosing life for my baby i yeah. can't imagine a more spiritually <laughs> intense process and you had a, an, an amazing set of spiritual tools as we say like you're saying to get through that yes i 
I didn't want to be and I didn't want to enter that same, you know, like spin cycle of, okay, I'm hurt now. And so this is going to warrant um, this or this action, which would, mm-hmm. you know, technically be down to using or right. running away again or mm-hmm. whatnot. And I wanted to almost provide insurance. You know, they say, oh, yeah, it's a spiritual bank account. You're making deposits. You know, <laughs> I actually wanted to fill that thing up <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I knew that, you know, I have learned in my process now, three or four years mm-hmm. later, that peace and grief can reside together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I didn't know that at the time in those terms. And say so it again. Peace and grief can reside together. Yeah. Serenity can, and calamity. Yes. It's, yes. And also fear and faith. They can coexist. Absolutely. People say they can't, and they absolutely can. I'm allowed to have the joy of the Lord. I'm allowed to have serenity. I'm allowed to have these things that are like the fruits of the Spirit, but I'm also allowed to, to be a human and to hurt and to cry yeah. and to break down. And, you know, um, my sponsor was really the one who helped. Like, she was, I was on her floor, literally. Yeah. You know, after the fact, and, and she was just present with me. She wasn't Sounds like God me. sent you an amazing woman. She, he, he truly did. He truly did. And others around around her you know the fellowship they say the fellowship and I was like what is the fellowship <laughs> <laughs> and there it was without a, without a, a worded description it just it came alive for me it grew up around you it did it, it amazes did. me in in our world right in our 12-step world in our um, religious world how when I'm in need, you know, we always hear that saying of like, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. But really what I'm finding is what, that when I am ready to surrender to God and follow whatever he has led me to, that he will put all the people around me to support yeah. me and give me everything I need. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a, there was this, a time that I spent in a homeless shelter prior to getting sober, mm-hmm. and there was a lady in there who was witnessing. Yeah. And it's just like, I would have never guessed that in one of the darkest places where there were cardboard mattresses and rats yeah. that that the joy of the lord was still there i've been locked up in jail not prison i've been jail several times back in oklahoma and man there was some really amazing godly women yeah. that, that were there longer than i was i was you know and so it was just like y'all reading your bible what do y'all do you know but it was so weird to have god so much the topic of conversation mm-hmm. uh when you're in jail yeah. and it's similar because when Donnie always says with, with relapse in our world that people slide off the top, and meaning they relapse when things are so good yeah. they don't even re- realize they need to be seeking God. Right. You know? Right. right. People rarely slide off the bottom. They slide off the off top. Off the top. Right. And yeah. so when you're on the bottom, you really have some gravity of your situation to want to seek God, and I right. think it's a beautiful thing. The gift of desperation yes. really it, shows there. And it brings the word to life, right? So what we're talking about here is the same thing that Paul wrote about, and Paul wrote about the fact that he, he wasn't in prison. He was free. Right. Yeah. While locked up, but he was free. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Free in the spirit, you know, and, and and I have I've encountered that, you know, in in this process of, you know, especially with the adoption, like I have I have encountered, you know, people who have said, you know, how are you still happy? You know, mm-hmm. you, you know, why are you like, you know, mm. why are you like this? Yeah. And I'm like, I can't question like it's literally the peace that passes understanding. Yeah, it, absolutely. It, it's the peace that passes understanding. It's the unwavering joy of the Lord. Like I can I'm allowed to cry. Yeah, I'm allowed to say I'm my heart's breaking and stuff like that. But I'm not going to curse God. No, no, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I'm I'm 
I'm less because I'm enduring these emotions. You know, these are right. hard things. <laughs> and I was thinking, they say, don't make any major changes in the first year. And here I am, like full on in the spirit. We're over here now. We always kind of joke with that phrase when people say don't make any big decisions in the first year. Because I'm like, well, wait a minute. The third step decision is pretty big. That's a huge so decision. So I don't, I don't think I, Well, that- I always say, too, that that is like the cliche in, in our fellowship, right? Don't make a decision in the first year. It's like... But nobody has experience with that because nobody's ever done Everybody that. Everybody has to make big decisions, <laughs> yeah. but you're, hopefully you're seeking God's will in those decisions. Yes. yes, and that was what kept a lot of stability going for me. So, so tell us what... Oh, you got a question? Yeah, yeah. well, I was just going to say, so so that we keep moving in your 12 steps, where do you think, what was the moment when the obsession... To drink or drug? When was that removed and what did that feel like? I have like almost multiple answers for this. Okay. The mm-hmm. second my people and places and things changed, I could finally breathe in an environment that was not a constant feed or flood or, or right. ability for me to go into pursuing that stuff. A so different influence in your environment. Yes. Okay. okay. I, um, I mean, night one, um, that was a, a mini version of it because right. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so nice. You got to- a bed, food, yes. safe. The conditions of my life had already improved so much in 24 hours that that was the initial. And now I'm looking in retrospect and realizing that. Yeah. But as far as the steps are concerned, once I got step 11, um, the day I finished step 11, um, working it with my sponsor, I actually led my first meeting. Mm. And what I was, you know, five or six, no, five months sober at okay. the time. And I was just like, you know what? My initial thinking is not to to go mm-hmm. drink or drive. Like it's just not on the forefront of my mind. And I wasn't driving. I didn't have a car at the time, so I was Ubering. And a lot of my Ubers were they would smell so sweet <laughs> of, <laughs> of, of that stuff. Yeah. Marijuana. yeah, yeah. And I, my old self would have been like, "Hey, what's that? You know, what I you have, got? You know, what yeah. you got? You know?" And I would have kind of hit it off, you yeah. know. And I just didn't. I found myself lacking in that desire. Lacking in that, um, you know, it just wasn't something that... That was your tell. Yeah. yeah. It was your tell. Heather has a similar tell. Yeah. And, and and part of the reason I wanted to know that is because something that you were saying early, and I want to bring it back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I belong to two fellowships as you do, right? Mm-hmm. I have my 12-step fellowship, and then I have my church family. Yeah. And one of the things that my um, church family is very big on, so there is a group of men that will get together and we'll have a cigar, or we'll fellowship and maybe some of them have a drink or whatever and they're always concerned like for <laughs> yeah. me yeah. how can we drink around you? are you okay with it and what i can't and deliverance you yeah. said the word deliverance and that's what finally made them understand is when i finally was like guys god has delivered me yes. from the obsession for drugs or alcohol it has zero effect on me whether you are or not i don't yeah. think about it yeah and there's a permanence to that mm-hmm. but the reason I wanted to bring it up also is because you said I've got to keep the door shut on it. Yes. Right. Yes. So speak to that a little bit. Keeping that door shut. So, I mean, as far as the, the actual like triggering nature of, of drugs and alcohol is concerned, like I, I lost the desire, but if I'm going to keep it gone, I have to take that daily action. That's where the daily mm-hmm. action comes mm-hmm. into place. That's where actually, you know, being an active part of this community, this fellowship, working my steps, staying connected, being of service. Yeah. Those things. And I, and I have to keep that cup filled. I yeah. have to. And I mean, there's what happens if you don't. Like, I just start, what does that look like for the general person listening that slides back in spirituality? Well, they say restless, irritable and discontent. Yeah. And I can also just 
you can, you know, replace that word with like selfish and yep. just bothered mm-hmm. and, you know, all these things. Or, or maybe I'm experiencing some mood swings and that could be my foothold if I am not, right. um, you know, spiritually strong for that. And so I have to go, you know, I get to I get to yeah. indulge in this fellowship. I get to stay connected. I get to go into my literature. Yeah. Still, I have to keep that cup filled. It's not just going to keep pouring itself. And if you keep the cup filled, what do you get to keep? My serenity and my sober date. Yeah. And no matter what. And and my experience with that, I'm, I'm coming up on 10 years sober, but um, there's been other challenges in my life, right? I had infidelity and early sobriety while sober. Uh, mm-hmm. I was fighting a porn addiction. Mm-hmm. And that's where when you said you got to keep the door closed, it, it's like, so God removed it? Like he's delivered me from it? Mm-hmm. I don't have the desire, but it's because of the maintenance. Yes of my daily spiritual practices. Because I truly believe in actual deliverance. I know, I don't remember when it happened, but I know in hindsight I had a similar experience. And in my my experience, when God removes something, it's gone. And I don't fight the drink or the drug mm-hmm. idea. And I can stay in that permanent deliverance if I stay connected to God. But that's, up, like you were saying, up to me for our continued spiritual walk. Yeah, absolutely. So what a great story. So what I would like to do is when we come back... Hot tweet. I, well, hot seat, yes, but you know what I would really like to do as well is I'd like to hear about your life today. Yeah, I want to give some people hope yes. out there because you have a rough story and God has done so much for you. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. Looking for a new co-host. <laughs> Every time I pause coming back in, <laughs> she just gives me like the death stare. Um, so what a great show today. So you've got Heather and Donnie and you have Christina in studio. Um, part two. And part. <laughs> and here's the beauty. Like what I would like to talk about in our last segment today is let's recap in 30 seconds that you were adopted mm-hmm. from from Russia. You you had great parents, but took a bad path, right? Prodigal son. Yes. Um, you were doomed to servitude. You were trafficked. You you literally had the entire, you had committed every sin mm-hmm. or you had every defect of character. Yep. You were in chains, if you will. Um, and, and I want to say the word again, doomed to a life of failure. Mm-hmm. But here you are today, happy, I would say full of joy. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. You're living an amazing life. That is a miracle. And I want to hear a little bit about that. I want to hear what your life is like today. Yeah. So first of all, I mean, I I can't take any credit for it. I mean, Mm. you know, God was going to make his will known one way or another. Yeah. And, you know, I I heard this thing, you know, it was like, oh, wow, you know, well, my testimony isn't really that, you know, incredible. And I'm like, Mm. I think it's not about the, like, it's not about the person, like me. Yeah. It is like God, God loves his children. He's going to make his glory known. He already won every battle. Yeah. But there is still a lot of battle happening in this world. Yeah. Mm. You know, um, because the enemy's, he's just throwing his fit until the final day. (laughs) Um, But we'll get into that. But, um, (laughs) you know, I'm not going to go too heavy, but, um. You know, I, I still struggle. I still sin. I still fall short. It doesn't sure. mean I'm just this, you know, I haven't been, you know, dunked in the water and I'm like right. just so holy and righteous, you know. I still have shortcomings. And in relation to recovery, you know, I have a set of steps and a, and a, 
and a sponsor in order to handle those things. But when it comes down to it, it's like, you know, good versus evil. It's a lot of, I struggle with temptation. You know, I still struggle with anger, all these things that could be a foothold, you know, but what has helped provide um, some, you know, a buffer against that has been, um, I, I've been, you know, I've been reading the word daily. Mm-hmm. I've been filling my idle time with music that's uplifting. I've been trying not to let my mind just be so spacey because I found my, that I really struggled, I'd say in year two of my sobriety, um, not, mental health and spiritual health mm-hmm. um, were, were kind of tough for a while. Um, I was dealing with postpartum depression. Right. Yeah, it was really hard. And I almost, um, I almost actually went full-fledged into the occult um, in order to cope with that stuff and very quickly found out that that was just not my calling, right. um, completely turned it around. That's where also one term of deliverance comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, deliverance can also, can mean like the, the beautiful, slow and steady lifting of, you know, certain, you know, desires or something. But right. for me, I've actually, I've had some hands laid before. Right. Or it's instant. It's yes, quicker. It yeah. is. And I, but I still had to do the work. Right. I still had to do that work. Right. You know, but I mean, now where I'm at, I'm, I'm peace filled. I'm joy filled. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, But real quick before we walk away from that, what I want to make clear, because there are some people like me out there today, Mm -hmm. possibly listening to this show, let's say like me five or 10 years ago that hear the word Christian or believer and they bristle with antagonism. Mm -hmm. But what I'm hearing you say is that I still fall short every day. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and I think there's this idea that people. So does Donnie. Donnie falls short every day. That people become <laughs> Christian, you are correct. People become Christian, and they're now I'm holier than thou. No. I'm judging everyone. Yeah. Like, what's your view of that? You know, I've actually encountered people like that, mm-hmm. and I think too. it's a lot of that. I, you know, it kind of fits into the everybody needs recovery. Everyone's recovering from something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It might mm-hmm. not be a specific substance, but there was a wound that happened spiritually. Yeah. Or even you know you know spiritually or in any, any form you know and and I'm gonna harbor that that anger and that pain and resentment is going to manifest in certain ways. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we get, you know, what we call church hurt or, mm-hmm. you know, there's some, a lot of them. Somebody, a lot of that. somebody who claims to know and love God, which is almost an open-ended term in this, right. you know, and they're, especially in their recovery realm, you know, it, they've been hurt by someone who misrepresented. That happened to me when I got sober mm-hmm. in Kerrville and went to a church, a group of us from a sober house. And you know, the part where you introduce yourself to people, yeah. and, you know, uh, this lady came and shook my hand. She goes, you're not from one of them drug houses, is you? <sighs> it's just not I it. Said, well, and, and um, I, so I like was so embarrassed. I said, no, and I lied. And then it really yeah. bothered me. Cause I'm like, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I love God, too. Like, what do you mean if I'm not from one of those drug houses? Well, and I love that you said misrepresented. Right, because it's right? not. These are the people that, that Jesus will say, I don't know you. Right? Yeah. They, that's who these people are because yeah. not only have Christians misrepresented the faith, but there are people that have been church hurt and just world hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you have Christians out on the street holding up signs, that judging hate, the world, we were never asked to do that. What no. I'm what I'm here to do is I'm here to say, thank you, God, for the grace. Like, mm-hmm. I don't deserve the life I have today. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. And that's how I'm supposed to treat people. Yeah. Like, like, here I am. I was a sinner. I am changed, right? God is doing a work in me at all times and changing me the way he sees fit, and I am to view the world in the same way. You know what? I love you, and I don't know what your walk is, but I'm going to love you through it, and I'm going to be here with you. Exactly. You know, he, you know, I struggled with a lot of, you know, I've I've committed so many sins, but (laughs) it wasn't like he was like, oh, you're at your limit. I'm done with (laughs) you. Yeah, we're done with (laughs) that. I might have been given over to myself, but that does not 
um, not remove done. the fact that he died for that specific sin. Yeah. That, you know, he 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 took that yeah. um, punishment on my behalf because of his love. Right. And you know, it, and just like the people who misrepresent him or the people who 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 judge and hurt and hold up the signs and, and, and do the you know you know Bible you know yeah. crashing stuff like that. That's just. You know, that's just not the intent. It's not the no. true Christianity. No. And he died for them, too. He did. That's exactly <laughs> what, yes. He died for the drug addict, like uh-huh. he died for the preacher, yeah. like he died for the false teacher, like he died for That are all still everybody. doing it today. Yes. Yeah. So what's some of the cool blessings God's given your life in the last year or so? So um, thank, I'm just so grateful because, you know, I had always wanted to to be in love. I love love. Love yeah. is great, yeah. you know, but I I remember I was so tired of my spin cycle with, you know, my choices with men and their choices with me, and I asked God like, "Will you please prepare me for a husband mm-hmm. of your choosing for me and a partner?" I love that. Not give me a good guy. Yeah. Please prepare, prepare me to be a good Prepare me wife. for Oh, that's so great. But he oh, told, that's so great. I in a way I feel like he was telling me, "Well, you can't take all your past and and expect that from someone and you know hard times are going to happen, but like put like with a God sent like husband, I'm not going to have to keep my guard up." Right. You right. Know? You can trust him. It's not going to be They're this safe. Cuz you have been betrayed by men. I have and I have betrayed them. Right. Yeah. I have, you know, it's been both sides and I have been so messy. And, you know, you would think, oh, well, you know, a potential husband would look at me and be like, what is that? You know, <laughs> but that's not how God looks at his that's children. True. That's true. Or not. a godly man. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, and, and Tony, my, my husband, <laughs> you know, we met when I was um, in recovery and our relationship budded from quickly from friendship into like, I, like I'm really like, I love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> how long have you guys been married now? Um, well, couple months now we got married back in november of last oh, year yeah and isn't that great my family was there just such <laughs> a beautiful thing you know it was um i really felt like god was with us for did that, you ever see that. yourself being married in a good relationship i never did and i you know i said never say you know never say never you know mm-hmm. but seriously you know had i kept saying never i wouldn't have like put like my let my guard down let god work on me and like mm-hmm. actually done some of that work i didn't want to be toxic anymore i didn't mm-hmm. want to be problematic you know i have so much more potential i wanted to be the wife that god you know would have designed and i'm assuming he's marriage. a believer like you he yeah. loves god <laughs> he loves yes, it. and it's such a beautiful it's thing so attractive when it a guy is, loves it god is and I, i'm watching him grow and i'm watching his character get shaped not just by you know not just by god but with within um recovery mm-hmm. within um you know getting to know himself and who he is as as a recovering man too that's amazing it's such it's a, a beautiful blessing. thing and then you had some career schooling stuff too yes i spent uh, a year in cosmetology school and now i am a licensed cosmetologist i do hair for a living i've always wanted to do what i love and i i get to you know some days are tougher than others but at the end of the day my my cup runs over. Yeah. It's it's a form of ministry for me. That's so yeah. So today you are the opposite of doomed. I am. I am. And that's because of Jesus. <laughs> All right. I love this story I so do much. too. All right, Heather, take us out All of right, here. So thank you so much for listening. Everybody, don't forget, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. And let's also not forget that we're doing this for the Matthews Hope Foundation, a detox, 10, 14 days. So listen, if you need anything, maherpaderp.com. <laughs> you did it, yay. Those who stand for nothing fall for anything. Hashtag, Hashtag God, God though. though.